listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. What a sweet time in worship. Amen. 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 Maddie, honey, you can you can sing. You you can't you can't just sit right. You can't just sing, you can sing, right? Right? Awesome, awesome, man. So good. I, 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 I like have happy feet this morning. I'm like kind of, I don't know. Either I've had too much coffee or it's Sunday. One of the two. So, man. Right, yeah, probably both. Good, good point. Um, hey, well, I'm Pastor Jason again. Thank you guys for being a part of our family this morning. Today we embark on a new teaching series called Communication. And, uh, which I should be excited about, but I'm not. Want to know why? Because I stink at it, right? I stink at communication. I stand up here trying to communicate God's word all the time to you guys, but actually in day-to-day life, communication is something that I fail at constantly, and, uh, but only when humans are involved. Um, that was a joke. Um, it's especially troubling when things get heated, right? And, and something uh, majorly unexpected happens. It feels like just like my brain like seizes up, right? Just, just a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, it, 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 just for a few moments. But uh, seriously, probably 85% of the time I get myself into trouble, it's because I'm not communicating effectively. Um, communication is a, it, uh, essentially has... Two parts, right? The first one is actually um, talking, right? It's sharing your thoughts and concerns and and your needs, which which isn't always easy for me to do. But the other part is intently listening to the other person as well. And, And a large majority of the time, this is the one I struggle with. Um, I've become a master at making people feel like I'm listening when I'm not actually paying attention at all. Um, it's, it, it's easy, because y'all know like you, you, you like to hear yourself talk sometimes. Some of y'all know, like to hear yourself talk, right? You know that, right? You don't need me for the conversation, right? All I have to do is throw in a uh-huh or a wow or a you don't say or, or, uh, or well, I never, right? That's the one that gets me caught sometimes, though, is because they're, they're like, oh, Jason sounds like my 90-year-old grandpa. Uh, he must not be listening, right? <laughs> so, but to be, a, be in effective communication with someone, you have to do both of these things well. Uh, you have to know when to speak and when to just be quiet and focus and, and, and focus on listening, right? And, and being an effective partner in communication is vital to the lives we lead. And I'm actually putting in the work, right, myself to do this better because when I don't do it well, I inevitably suffer the consequences, right? But what about our communication with God? Should it be different than our communication with each other? There's this whole thing about, you know, like when you're praying, you know, you, you, can't, you can't see God with your own eyes. Like there's that whole thing. But come to think of it, lots of people these days favor ways of communication with others that don't require being able to see them, right? Like all it requires is a keyboard and some signal bars, right? 
Like, so that excuse is kind of out the window, right? Uh, See, I believe our communication uh, with God should be more natural and and authentic than we make it. Um, Sometimes if we're not careful, we can end up sounding a little like this guy. Greg, would you like to say Grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless... You have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I <laughs> said grace and many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, O oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly. To see thee more clearly. To follow thee more nearly. Day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. Let's jump in at verse 5. Is that better? (laughs) There goes the podcast. Darn it. Oh, well. Can't win them all. So, all right. Verse 5. And so when we pray, we must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I want to be clear right now. That although it may seem like it, Jesus is not condemning public prayer here. This passage all comes down to the phrase in verse 5 that says, that they may be seen. That they may be seen. For Jewish people, prayers were a huge part of their day. They, they would have morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. And, and the thing that Jesus is addressing is that some of the more pious Jews had begun making their prayers like a pretentious display in front of large crowds of people um, in an effort to make themselves look good, right? And, and so Jesus isn't saying public prayer is bad. In fact, on many occasions, Jesus prayed in public. He's saying that the motive behind your prayers is what matters. If it's to make yourself look good or more holy in front of others, then as my Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters would say, that's, uh, that's no bueno. No, no bueno, right? That's no bueno. Jesus goes on to say that in verse 6, 
that we should go into a room and shut the door and pray to our Father who is in secret. This again comes down to motive. Praying public has value and praying in private has value, but it all comes down to intent, right? If, if we are only willing to pray about something in public or when other people are listening and not when it's just the Father listening, we have to be hard on ourselves and question our motives, right? If we aren't willing to sow seeds of prayer in the secret place, we have to ask ourselves, how bad do we really want God to move in the thing we're praying for? Because the Father sees in public, but he also sees in the secret place. And and verse 6 says that the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Move on. We're moving on to uh, verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Again, Jesus isn't condemning repetition in this passage. I've heard people use this passage to try to bash modern worship music because of its repetition of phrases. And, and, and that's not what Jesus is getting at here. When he says Gentiles, remember Gentiles are everyone who's not Jewish. And he's, re- he's referring to some pagans who would mindlessly repeat the names of their gods over and over again without thinking, almost like a mindless chant. And, and Jesus is merely saying that there is no need to mindlessly repeat words because God can hear you the first time. Right? You believe that? Okay, I'm going to accept that and move on, that you do believe it. Um, because he's already, he already knows what you need before you even ask, right? So we can feel free to keep our prayers simple and to the point. Um, it should be an encouragement to you that are, beginning, that are in the beginning stages of a developing a secret prayer life. Because Jesus is inviting us to not worry so much about the right language or making sure that we say a certain phrase enough times, but more he's inviting us into a, simplic- a simple, sincere conversation, right? So... Jesus has so far told us a few things to be careful of when we pray, but now in verse 9, he's actually going to begin to give us an example of how we should pray. And uh, we're going to take our time with this passage and really break it down um, really slow over the next couple of weeks. And actually, today, we're only going to cover verse 9. Jesus' example begins like this in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Take a minute. Really let those words uh, sink in. Set aside all your preconceived notions about the Lord's Prayer and try and listen as if it was the first time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What do you notice? The first thing that jumps out to me is that Jesus refers to God as Father. And duh, right? He's the Son of God. 
But if Jesus is teaching us how to pray, then this prayer must be from our perspective. And the thing about it is, is that he starts the prayer with the word our, which is plural, our Father. What does that tell you? Right, you're included, that, G, that God is just not Jesus' Father, but he is the Father of everyone who believes Jesus is the Son of God. The word Jesus used for father would have been the Aramaic word, word um, Abba. And Abba conveys authority, but also warmth and intimacy. It's, it's a, the personal, loving father who knows the depths of you. Verse 9 goes on to say, Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we recognize that God is Abba, a loving, intimate Father, but who is in heaven, right? Identifying that God is both Abba and creator of the heavens and earth, our creator, right? With just a few words, Jesus gives us an example of recognizing that God is both heavenly, righteous, creator of all things, and sovereign ruler over everything, and Father, Abba, intimate, personal. The two sides of, uh, to that identity are vital to who God is. These are very different distinctions, and yet Jesus is encompassing who God is to us, because God is both. And verse 9 closes out with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a word we, we don't use much anymore unless your last name is Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> hallowed means greatly revered or respected or to honor as holy. Honor as holy. This is the first of six petitions in the whole of the Lord's Prayer, and it's asking that God would be treated with the highest honor and his name would be set above all other names. So if you read this first line of the Lord's Prayer and put emphasis on all the deeper meanings, it would read like this. Our, all who believe Jesus is the Son of God. Father, Abba, personal, intimate, in heaven, creator and ruler of all things, hallowed be your name. May your name be honored above every name in heaven and on earth. The older I get, the more I realize people communicate through their own filters. Does anybody else know that to be true? Yeah. We all have these different lenses of experiences and emotions that we filter our communication through. And our communication with God is no different. We tend to put who God is through our own filter, which can distort our image of him. Honestly, I think it's hard for some of us to wrap our minds around God as Abba, Father, because all we have ever known is our earthly father and the ways that 
maybe they've failed us or hurt us. To many of us, our Heavenly Father, I'm sorry, to many of us, our earthly Father helped create us, right? But we would never be able to have a relationship with our earthly Father that is warm and intimate. And there's a difference between a creator and a father. There's a difference between someone who helped make you and an Abba father. And, and some of us would never be able to know our dads as Abba, just as a person who helped create us. We put the filter that we have created from our experiences with our earthly father onto our heavenly father unnecessarily. Some of us have have a hard time accepting that there is a father in heaven who loves us no matter what. And he wants the best for us, even when the best means we have to go through something hard to come out better on the other side. Yes, God is creator and ruler of the universe. And yes, we want his name to be honored above all other name. But he is also Abba, a loving, intimate, personal father who cares for you. Want to know how much he cares for you? He sent his only son to die on a cross you to wipe out your sin and your shame. He didn't have to do it, but he did because he loves you, because he is Abba Father. There's a story Jesus tells in the book of Luke chapter 15, and you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to be there for a minute. Chris, will you come to the piano? There's a story that Jesus tells in in the book of Luke chapter 15 when when some pious religious leaders are hassling Jesus about hanging out with people that they consider to be the worst of the worst sinners. So Jesus tells them this story. He tells them this story starting at verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he is found. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you were that lost sheep that has been found by Jesus, it's because your Abba Father sent him after you. Anybody know that to be true? To chase you down when you were at your most lost and weakened state. 
And when he found you, he put you on his shoulders because he knew you were too weak to come home on your own. And he rejoiced along with all of heaven. This is the Abba Father we pray to. This is our Father in heaven. And because he is both intimate and personal and the creator and ruler of all things, we say, hallowed be your name. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And I'm going to explain what to do here in a moment, but I just feel like maybe there's someone or some people who are lost right now. Maybe you're feeling lost and weak and you don't feel found. You haven't been found yet. You're still lost. I want you to know that Jesus is coming for you. And there's a time to turn and face him and run to him. And that time can be right this very moment. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what adversities you face in your life, but I do know that the Abba who loves me loves you no matter what you have done. And he's coming after you. So I just want to leave this time open right now. If I could invite the prayer partners forward. Cardo, will you come up too? And uh, if you haven't accepted Jesus, I just want to give you the opportunity right now. No pressure. But I just want to give the opportunity to accept Jesus right now. So with, if, if everybody would just bow their heads. Is there, is, is there anybody who resonates with what the Lord's putting on my heart right now? You're lost. You're in a weakened state. You don't know what to do. You feel like you may never be able to come home again. Feel panicked on the inside. Is there one? If that's you, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Okay. Okay. Father God, I pray Lord that we if it, for those people, Lord, that they would stop in their tracks right now, Lord, that they would turn and face you, that they would seek you out, God. Because you're never going to stop coming for them. 
you leave the 99 for the one. The 99 in, in open fields and safety. You go after the one that is in danger. Because that's how much they mean to you. You're so good and you're so real. And we love you so much, Lord. Thank you for being Abba Father to us. Thank you that you are both creator and father. We love you. Amen. So now we're going to take communion together. And uh, we do this once a month, the first Sunday of every month. And, uh, and we take it as a family. And so what you need to know is, is you don't need to be a member of, of our family to take communion. You just need to be a part of the family of heaven to take, to take communion with us. So if that's you, you are welcome to take communion here this morning. And so uh, I'm going to read a scripture in a moment. And, and after I do, I'm going to invite you all to come forward and take a piece of bread and take a cup back to your seat. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't just let this time be another mindless ritual that you take part in. Pray. Ask forgiveness if you need it. Take the time to interact with your Father and then come when you're ready. And take it when you see fit. We take communion because Jesus asked us to. In 2 Corinthians 11, 17-22, the Lord Jesus on the night He was betrayed took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we proclaim that you are coming again. Father, we remember as you asked us to, Lord, that your body was broken just like this bread. That your blood was spilled just like this this cup of juice, Lord. We remember, Father. Let us never stray from the wonder of you. Let us never stray that almighty God, creator in heaven and earth, sent his only son because he loves us and wanted to be in relationship with us. So Father, we give this time to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.